0: The guy who's great on paper. Great for someone else. Perfect, but no spark. It's a match. Taste. Vegan, gluten-free pizza. Look. What you say you want in a guy, but you're actually not attracted to. Sound. Everything you want by Vertical Horizon. Smell. Opening a brand new textbook. Feel. Shower sex. My mouth dropped when I saw the poster of Frank Sinatra's mugshot hanging in Brian's condo. I thought you hated Sinatra. I couldn't help myself. I do, but that's a dope photo. My Italian-American father would not approve. Last night while texting, I admitted to Brian that Frank Sinatra's soliloquy always pulls at my heartstrings. Anyone who likes Sinatra only does because of their dad, he texted. I wanted to defend my love for old blue eyes, but sent an embarrassed emoji instead. I let a lot slide with Brian. I was 29 and panicking that I hadn't met the right guy yet. After the devastating results of the 2016 election, I decided all you need is love. While my friends marched in protest, I marched to meet two matchmakers. My matchmakers had me fill out a questionnaire where I divulged I was looking for a guy who was tall, funny and smart, and wore glasses sometimes. Every few weeks, I'd get drinks with a new match, and it would usually end there, until I got introduced to Brian. On our first date over spicy margaritas, we told each other what we were looking for in a partner and realized our descriptions perfectly captured each other. I was funny and blondish and he wore glasses sometimes. I quickly felt the chemistry. I mean, of course we had chemistry. We were a perfect match. After our date, we texted nonstop, bonding over the ridiculousness of Martin Scorsese's Instagram. For a world-class director, he really posts a lot of backlit photos. Brian asked me on a second date that Friday night. The plan was to meet at his place for drinks and then go to dinner at a French bistro. I was in awe of how meticulously decorated his place was. Then I noticed the five pie stands. So you're really into pie, I asked. He didn't get it. Why do you have multiple pie stands? Oh, my mom decorated. Then I saw the potpourri, multiple candles, and throw pillows. All touches a 30-year-old straight man would not make without some persistent female energy. He handed me a glass of what he referred to as smoky tequila, mezcal, over ice with Snapple Diet peach tea. I sipped it, trying not to make a face. At dinner, he asked hard-hitting questions, covering everything from my relationship with my mother to my abusive ex. When I questioned him about his damage, he said, My life has been pretty great so far. He asked why I was barely touching my food. On the theme of honesty, I admitted the veal was tough and the risotto tastes like chlorine. We went back to his place and over another round of Snapple and Mezcal, we took turns playing our favorite songs. He called my choice of Africa by Toto too basic, as he put on Chateau Lobby Number 4 and C for Two Virgins by Father John Misty. When the lyric, and I haven't left your bed since, hit, he kissed me and my judgment towards Brian melted away like the ice in my cocktail. The next morning in my Uber home, I upgraded him in my phone from maybe Brian to Brian. I was pretty sure I'd hear from him later, but I didn't. It was weird. We used to text every day. I gave it time. 9 p.m. on Monday was all the time I could handle. I texted him. Great news! Finally got home from my Uber. We joked about my fake kidnapping, then I saw the three gray dots. Finally, after what felt like a year, Gabby, I don't know what to do. If I'm being honest, I'm not sure if our relationship has long-term potential. I'm at the age where I'm saying, is this my wife? After every date, I'd like to keep hanging out, but I also am not sure how serious it would be. Then it hit me. I didn't see long-term in this relationship. This was not my husband. How would I even begin to explain to my dad that Brian thought the chairman of the board was overrated? Also the pie holders. Why did he have so many pie holders? That was insane. It didn't matter if on paper we were the perfect match. In person, we were just not compatible. You're They're fat. So and you trendy. drink anyone. Maybe even show a little bit of cleavage. Maybe you're acting too small. You're a boss bitch. I just bitch. don't understand why you don't have no money. I would marry you're you. Funny. You're a tequila you're lover. At your you're down to party. You're, 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 you're the dying. Chargers' and number, I don't number one
1: have fan. A yeah, you're fat. You're, you you're a nice man.
0: Hey, all you catches, it's your favorite former single gal, Erin, who transformed in front of your eyes, got reeled in right in front of your ears, and had an Oprah aha moment that changed everything. Ladies, before we can reel in the catch of a lifetime, we must first bait the hook with self-love. You're tuned in to another episode of You're Such a Catch, a podcast dedicated to helping you realize the catch that you are. We do not have to be defined by our relationship status nor conform to societal norms, All we have to do is be ourselves. Last week, we heard from Christy Katzman, who opened up about claiming self-worth. Christy admitted that she had lost herself somewhere along the way, trying to be the perfect woman, trying to live up to the standards and expectations of others. I know Christy's story resonated with me. I hope you were able to take something away from the conversation, too. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Gabby Conti. Hollywire host, author of the book, 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, which you got a small taste of at the beginning of this episode, and contributing writer for Cosmo. Ladies, she's going to address an important question, when our good friend Charlotte York asked. I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Who? The White Knight? That only happens in
1: fairy tales. My hair hurts. Charlotte, honey, did you ever think that maybe we're the White Knight's... And we're the ones that have to save ourselves? That is so depressing.
0: After investing over 10,000 hours in dating, going on 30 dates in three days, recognizing a pattern of codependency, and experiencing her fair share of heartbreak, Gabby claimed self-love. She learned countless lessons from her dating days, but claiming self-love is what led her to finding her forever, whom she just said, I do. Before we get to it, please make sure you've subscribed on whatever podcast player you tune in on. You aren't going to want to miss a thing this season. If you find this episode helpful, please share it on your Instagram or with a friend or someone who could benefit from the message. There's also a downloadable worksheet that corresponds with today's episode. If you want to follow along, take action, and evoke change, click on the link in the episode notes to download and print the form. Let's talk about how you were using being single as a business. You wrote your book, 20 Guys You Date in Your 20s, which I have read and I'm loving like these different stories because they're so relatable. And I love how you tie it back to what did it taste like? What did it smell like? Because I'm like, girl, you nailed it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You did. (laughs) How did this come about? And talk to me more about just being okay with putting your life out there like you did? So putting my
1: life out there, I don't know. I just kind of, I
0: never thought of it like that. I
1: thought of it more if I'm going through this, I know other people are going through this. And that was something that I I just gathered from like every time I talked to my single girlfriends or guy friends or like anyone who was single, I felt like there were these universal struggles that we were dealing with anytime we're single, which for me, it was mostly in my 20s. I was single more than I was in relationships in my twenties because I was like figuring out life. But I just kind of felt like there needed to be some way to kind of put this together and let people know that they're not alone. And how I had wished that someone had handed me a book like my book when I turned 20 and been like, hey, you're going to think you're going to be in love a bunch, but most of the time that's like not a case, but it's totally okay. And probably by the time you turn 30, you think you're going to find the one. Also, he's not the one. And being 30 and single in your 30s and being single is like the best years of your life, but you're going to meet this amazing guy who's worth giving it all
0: up for. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it's so true. Like, I'm just thinking about what you just said and like applying it to my own life. And it's so funny because I think at certain times, like, we do feel like we figured it out and we're like, boom, he's the one. And then something happens and there's this like glaring red flag. And it also takes a certain like type of maturity to recognize that red flag and go, okay, this isn't right for me. Like I need to move on. And one of the themes that kind of comes up, you're talking about all these different categories of guys that you're dating, the breakup part of it. It's not always easy. So walk me through that because you also got feedback from these men. (laughs) Yes, I
1: did. Well, so the thing too is that like these types of guys are really more like relationship types that I really do feel are universal And I think everyone goes through them no matter what their gender or sex is or anything like that. This is just from my perspective as a straight girl. But I will say that also the types of guys you date or the people you date could be combinations of these different things because every type is essentially like a, what could be an obstacle in a relationship. And most Mm. people figured out ways to overcome that obstacle. Like, I mean, the guy who's long distance, so many people have dealt with long distance relationships Uh and are successful. For me, it didn't work out, but like, It was nice to be able to use this book as an excuse to talk to my exes because I also wanted to be respectful of them. But because each type is kind of general, the only thing that's really specific in each chapter is the story of the story Mm -hmm. of me dating that guy. The, The looks and all that kind of stuff are kind of things that I, when I dated other guys like this who I didn't specifically mention, or also just like talking to people, talking to friends, seeing what they would categorize these types of relationships as.
0: So what made you you want to really reopen that conversation with these guys? And were you worried about the feedback that they were going to provide you? I mean, I know I can't I can't put my finger on which one it is, but he was like, best of luck with your book. Like, no comment. (laughs) Actually, it was funny because one of like my one like review of
1: my book with someone was like everyone was so nice to her, and I was like, no, they like can you not read between the lines? Like when some guy was like, I wish to not be in the book. He's literally saying go after yourself. Like so, it was kind of a mixed bag, and they were also there were also things that I couldn't put in because I really wanted to respect these men and I wanted to respect where they were in their lives, and a lot of them have are now husbands and fathers, so I didn't really want to like get too much into it. And at the end of the day, it's not really about them. It's about the, like, it's about how we, what we can learn from the relationships. It has nothing to do with them personally, which is why names and details are changed because it doesn't, it's not a burn book. That's not the point of this, but yeah, no, the fee was, it was crazy getting that feedback, but I just kind of felt like, I don't know. I always put myself in other people's shoes and I felt that if the same, if someone had written a book and there was a story about me in there, I would have wanted the opportunity to read it before and get feedback, which is what I let every guy who wanted to read the story, th- the opportunity to do. And I took out details. I took out some details that were probably really funny and like really crazy. Yeah. and Like you can't make this stuff up details, including guys who would lie to me when I was like, Hey, do you want to change anything? And instead of being like, Hey, I'm uncomfortable about this detail. would try to like gaslight me and be like, this never happened. And I was like, no, it definitely did. Cause not only do
0: I have the receipts, I also have like 10 friends who were with me when we were dating who remember this. (laughs) Oh my gosh, wow. For you to be in a place mentally, like and emotionally to really tap into that and to kind of like revisit these different like chapters of your life that truly became then a chapter of your book is is really remarkable because I think sometimes in relationships, depending on how things go, whether you want to generalize it or not. There's some hurt there. There's some times maybe or some choices or decisions I know in my past, like I wish I wouldn't have made. (laughs) And therefore it's like, ooh, if I would have gone back and kind of like rehash that and really like put the time to kind of like put a pen to paper and kind of document what went down in that segment. I mean, I mean, that's deep. You have to have done some work to kind of like overcome these different things. So as you were writing this, was it pretty like cathartic for you and like therapeutic? Yes and no.
1: I actually, when I was writing this book, I was probably at first in the worst place of my life, which eventually became a good place. And I do think that perhaps writing the book was really helpful in me to kind of reflect, to kind of look back at my patterns, to kind of refigure out what I wanted in a partner if I needed a partner right now. I think that I was always in, ever since I, I used to be a serial monogamous and then I dated this guy who broke my heart in a big way and totally gaslit me and decepted me. And from that relationship forward, after that relationship ended, dating apps came out.
0: I was like an early adapter mm-hmm. on the dating apps and I went, I turned into a serial Dater? Right. Well, you quote yourself as 10,000 hours. Yeah, which again is obviously an estimate, but I do, I wouldn't but be surprised. Still, that's like, I a wouldn't huge
1: number. <laughs> it's a huge number. Well, because they say that's the Malcolm Gladwell thing that it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert. And I really do think that I know from like to, that I went on more dates than the average person. Like, I know raid. that for a fact. And I'm, I am counting the situationships as dates. So yeah. there's definitely a lot. And I know that I've dated more people than the average person. I know that I've had more what I thought were relationships that were probably more in my head than the average person. <laughs> so I just thought I wanted to weigh in on that. But to go back to what you were saying about like where I was. So I wrote this book, living with a guy who I thought was my person in New York City after I uprooted my life in LA to be with him thinking Mm -hmm. this was the happy ending, thinking that last chapter was going to be about our like bliss and maybe, I don't know. But I was lying to myself because he had so many of the red flags that all the other guys I had dated had. I was ignoring them. I was listening to that whole panic of when you turn 30, where you think your Mm -hmm. life is over, which is like sex in the city starts when they're 35. Your life is not over. It's just beginning. And I was like freaking out about that. And I kind of was not listening to myself, was not realizing that all these like red flags within myself, like the fact that I was leaving behind a life, a career I had in Los Angeles to be with someone who never really made the same sacrifices for me that I was on um, anxiety medication for the first time in my life and not realizing the root of the anxiety and then realizing it was from the uneasiness of the relationship. But I what wrote the outline to the book with the ending being him when we were still together. We broke okay. up on Thanksgiving. My first manuscript was due Martin Luther King Jr. Day or whatever, his birthday, which is like yeah. uh, late January. So I wrote this book living with my parents in my childhood home in Connecticut. And also my parents were downsizing and so I had to also help them like move while I was writing the manuscript and dealing with deadlines. So I was not in a good place. <laughs> right. And my future was like really uncertain. Cause I was like, I don't know, should I stay in New York city? Cause like I had, I had started to get some work in New York city and like had some career opportunities or like, or should I go back to LA? And I really had like no idea what I was doing. And then I booked a trip back to LA to like, just go visit some friends and figure it out. And it was just like Mm -hmm. so abundantly clear that it was where I was meant to be. And it was never like I really left.
0: And so I ended up moving back just uh, on Valentine's day. Oh my gosh. Wow. So for the, for the single gals out there or, or actually like maybe some women who are in a relationship and they might be seeing these red flags in the, in their own relationship, what, What did you do when you finally were like, okay, I'm going to come to terms with these red flags like I'm going to sit down with myself and I'm going to really like face what's going on, like the truth is the situation. Like, did you lean on friends and family for support or did you have a certain kind of like meditation practice or journaling or walk us through kind of what was going on in your head? So when I saw the red flags with the guys in the book or when
1: I was dating after the book and I saw red flags. After the book, yeah. Okay, I don't think I was seeing the red flags until I reflected back on it. But I did, I was, so when I moved back to Los Angeles, I was living with my best friend, one of my really good friends who had known me through all, most of my relationships in LA. And I was crashing on her couch and then so incredibly like meant to be serendipitous, the apartment across the hall from her opened up and I moved into that apartment. So I literally had, I mean, that is like the sitcom dream to live across, literally the door across the hall from your best friend. But every time, I mean, she was my safety net because when I was going out on dates, I was always telling her where I was and what I was doing, but I would always like check in with her after the date and just like talking to her and like talking through what happened. And to have that kind of sounding board of someone being like, okay, so wait, he did what again? Like. He didn't, he did, he only talked about himself this entire date and you, but he was cute. So you want to go on another date with him? Well, what do you think he's going to do on the next date? Yeah. He's going to talk about himself the entire time. And I started really like after doing that, I was like, you know what? I feel like I want to document these dates to kind of keep track of it. And I started a thing called daily date on my Instagram where I would record myself before and after dates. And okay. I realized that if I which later became the red flag, it's like, oh my God, if I have the guts to post about this date, I definitely don't like this person because like I'm putting it out there. So I'm not like set on this person. And when I first started dating my fiance, I didn't do that because I was like, I I liked him and I didn't want him to like find it and like mm-hmm. feel like I was using him. And I wasn't using these guys. It was more for myself. I feel like I needed something to hold myself accountable. I needed I was scared to go on dates again. I felt like I had like lost my mojo and I feel like I needed that like accountability of my like Instagram Mm -hmm. family to kind of like help me out. And my friend, when she wasn't available, I had the Instagram family to be like,
0: wait, what, what happened? Like, so. Plus I think at a certain point, if you can't laugh about it, or have a little bit of self-deprecating humor, it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Because <laughs> it can get really grueling, like being on the apps, going on these dates. I mean, sometimes these situations, you're like, did that really just happen? Like, did th- right. that happen? And right. and the sad thing is, when that does really happen and you go share that story with your girlfriends, oftentimes they're like, oh, that's happened to me too. <laughs> you right. know,
1: and then it's relatable and then they can weigh in and they can tell you, Oh my gosh, like don't do this because of X, Y, and Z. Or like, here's what I learned from that experience. So it was, it was helpful to kind of do that. And I think I, I think I was dating with blinders on in my twenties. And then in my thirties, I feel like those blinders came off. And I realized that some guys I was dating who normally I might have dated for like three months, like I was giving them three dates. And, and mm-hmm. I think, and I had, I had to break up with a lot of guys and like, Like tell them off, or the other thing too that's so nuts is that I think I went on so many dates in my twenties because I felt that if someone asked me out on a date, I had to go, and I thought it was rude to like not go. Mm. But people show you who they are, and I I either or the this was the second date that I would have a first date with a guy and I wasn't feeling it, and he'd ask me out on a second date, and I would feel bad saying I didn't want to go on a second date, and I'd force myself to go on a second date. But I realized in my thirties that that was wasting both of our times. And I can't tell you how many times I sent a guy, a text message who asked me out on a second date and was like, Hey, yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. Or the opposite where the guy probably wasn't feeling it for me and like ghosted me. But I, I also ghosted him Mm because I didn't reach out. And Mm -hmm. I I realized back in my twenties, if I went on a date with a guy and I really liked him, I would be the first person to reach out. And then maybe it wouldn't last that long, but I didn't do that. I And I know that sounds cliche, but I was like, you know what? If you have a good first date with a guy, let him be the person to reach out. Let him mm-hmm. for the second date, because that's really a great way for you to also judge how much he's into you. Because if right. he's not reaching out to you, asking you for that second date, he's not that into you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's hard for us as females sometimes, because when we finally kind of sift through and we meet somebody that we have a connection with that embodies a lot of the characteristics and traits that we're looking for. And we go on that date and we're like, Ooh, this was a good one. Everything kind of aligned. You want so bad for him to reach out to you and be like, I had a fabulous time too. Let's go out again. And it takes a second for us, especially women who I think are driven, super independent, strong on their own two feet for us to take a step back. Because in any other aspect of our life, we'd be like, go get him. You know what I mean? And in this scenario, we have to go, okay, like it's okay to kind of like step into the divine feminine and let like that masculine energy come towards us instead of embodying that and sending that out. And by the
1: way, I don't think you have to be like that for your whole relationship. I just think in the beginning steps, it's a really good test to find out how much that person likes you, especially if you have a track record where you you feel like if you're and I felt like this. Like before I started doing that, I was like, why is it that I I go on a date with a guy, we, we, we have, it's like the two to three dates. Like we have the first date, I ask him out on the second date, he agrees, we have a second date, and then there's like the slow fade and like the caspering, the friendly ghosting, where he'll he'll mm-hmm. he'll respond to me or he'll text me here and there, or he'll like my Instagram and watch my stories, but he's not asking me out on a second date hmm And they have a million and 10 excuses. Like I was dating a guy who was preparing for a one-man show. And then I realized, oh my God, he's never invited me to his one-man show. He's like, that's not really like me. <laughs> but like, and that's why he said he was always busy. And I was like, wait, no, he's, he has a social life. Like he has other things. He just like, I am not part, I am a very low priority. And when I started dating my fiance, he was hands down, the busiest guy, an actually busy guy, the busiest guy I had ever dated. And he always asked me out. He always made time for me. He always made me feel like I was a priority, even if it meant sacrificing his own like sleep schedule, which is like, wow,
0: that's a green flag. Like keep that guy. That guy's
1: a keeper. Otherwise, anything
0: less than that, you don't need that. Don't settle for that. Right, which I think is such a common theme. And like what I'm hearing from you is like you weren't going to settle. You were going to hold out for like, what you wanted and what you knew you deserved. And I think that's an important lesson for us to learn is like knowing and trusting, like there's somebody out there that is going to like fit our our needs and our wants and our desires and who's going to recognize what a catch we are and then treat us that way. And so talk to us a little bit about how you met Darren and what that story is like, because he obviously knew that this book was out there, right? And did that yeah. play a role in anything? I'm, I'm dying to know. Yeah. Well, other thing is also that if you
1: stay with people that aren't giving you what you want and what you deserve, you are not allowing room for people who will give you what you want and deserve to come into your life. Mm. When I met Darren, I was like done with dating. I was not done with dating, but like I had no, there were no like maybes. I was like, I'm over all of them. I, I've either broken up with them and did things with them or they ended things with me because I was just done. I was like, I am not. And I think I had even said, because like, I was like, I when you say like career for being a single girl, like I was Andy Anderson for Cosmopolitan. I was <laughs> contributing articles and videos for that. That was literally like le- trying different dating experiences. And I told my editor when I first started dating Darren, she's like, you can't, oh no, don't, don't get into a relationship. But like he was worth it. He was definitely worth it. So... When it came to Darren, we met on Bumble. And what's kind of funny is that I almost, and I found this out later that his friends say he's very lucky and I almost didn't go on a date with him. And it was because of my journey with the articles I had written for Cosmopolitan that actually made me swipe right. So I actually had mm. initially swiped left on him and hit the okay. button to like re-swipe right because there were a couple of things on his profile that was kind of like alarming to me. One, he had, none of his pictures were good. He had like a really creepy, like cubicle selfie. Two, I could also, it felt like I could tell just from the energy of it that he had like just gotten out of a relationship. Like he was so close to like maybe having like the girl was like edited out or like, I don't know. There was all these like things like that. The bio was just like, he likes to travel and he likes a spicy margarita He worked in finance, which I've never dated any guy who worked in finance. I would see guys in the entertainment industry. Like all these things were were wrong, but I, and so what I ended up being like, remembering that I had written an article about actually swiping right on guys. I would instinctively swipe left on. And so I was like, you know what, maybe let me just see what happens. So I ended up swiping right on him. I asked him about his favorite place to grab a spicy margarita And he said that it was his pool, which was like another red flag. I'm like, oh my God, this guy like (laughs) thinks our first date is going to be at his apartment, like the audacity. Right. He ended up being like proactive in talking to me. He ended up like making the conversation move forward. When I told him that I didn't have a car and I lived in West Hollywood and he at the time lived like Beverly Hills adjacent, he was, he, he had no problem being like, oh, we'll pick a place in your neighborhood and I'll come there. And I gave him like three places that I liked and he picked one and we met for drinks. But even before meeting, he almost canceled on me because I was so used to guys like flaking or canceling last minute and and thinking that I had a date and not, and like a friend would ask me out or ask me to do something and I'd be like, oh, I have a date. So like, I kind of got into the habit of being like, if there's another thing going on on that night. Like Mm -hmm. confirm with the guy, because like, what do you have to lose if he's not, if he's going to cancel on you, wouldn't you rather know now so you could schedule something else? And my friend, my best friend wanted to go grab drinks that night. So I had texted him like that morning because I was working New York hours So in my head, it was like the afternoon and I was like, hi, um, just confirming. Are we still on tonight? And he said he was really tired and he had told me later that he was almost going to cancel, but he looked back at my profile and decided to not cancel because he had just Mm -hmm. gotten back from Vegas. And he was working crazy hours and he was on two hours of sleep. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. So he ended up, we ended up meeting and it was, and it actually, and then again, he almost messed it up again because I didn't know he was tired. I didn't know he was on two hours of sleep. And on our first date, I noticed that I would ask him a question and he would just answer it and he wouldn't keep the conversation going.
0: Mm. So after
1: our first round, I said, I'm going to leave after this round. If you don't start asking me questions about myself. Oh, wow. So you were very upfront about it. Because I had reached this point where like my, sure. my like, yeah, my patience and my tolerance for like bad behaviors on dates were so low. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do I have to lose? Cause like worst case scenario, he calls me a bitch and I never see him again. Best case scenario, it's an opportunity to give someone who I felt a spark with a second chance and it ended up working. And the, like the whole mood of the date changed. He was so app- He explained to me the situation And the date quickly transitioned from being something where we were just being so polite and pleasant to Uh us being like real with each other and really telling each other, like we had, and we ended up bonding over the fact that we both recently had breakups and we were dealing with how to get our ex's crap out of our apartments and like (laughs) stuff like that. So I think there's like a balance there because you might surprise yourself that when you are like totally authentic, honestly yourself, like you're going to attract someone who's into that as opposed to someone who likes the idea of you.
0: Ooh, that's deep. I love that analogy. That's awesome. Sorry, that was so long-winded. No, no, it's so good though and it's so true. But I I just love also that you just kind of like took charge and were like, "Okay, I'm going to leave like I'm I'm going to call this date if you don't start asking me questions." But but it's great because one, you're right. It gave him the opportunity to show up and and be be present in the scenario. And two, like you said, what did you have to lose? I mean, All of these dates we go on, they can end in some pretty crazy ways. So whatever, like you got to put yourself out there. So then did he do what like we were kind of talking about? Did he reach back out to you and ask you on that second date or how did that go down? Yeah, he did. So after our first date, I was so tempted to message him
1: first, but I just let it go. And I was working that day. I was doing man on the street interviews for brother, which is like a Snapchat channel at the time. And I was like, just like, like doing my, living my best life. And he was the one who kept messaging me. And, and he, we actually ended up having our second date that next night, that like the night after our first date, a friend of mine was having a birthday party. I had plans to have dinner with my girlfriends before heading to my, our friend's birthday party. He ended up coming and it was on the complete other side of town. He ended up bringing his roommate with him at the time to come meet me at this bar where my friend was celebrating her birthday. And it was just like, I was like, and that's like, again, like I, how many times have we dated people where they invite us something last minute, or we try to hang out with them and we end up inconveniencing ourselves and like going crazy just Mm -hmm. to like chase this person. When I was just like, look, I have my like weekend. I have like, my life is like, I have a whole schedule and I'm doing my thing. And if you want to join, great. If not, I'm like not going to lose sleep over it.
0: Yeah. And were your friends pretty receptive to him? Cause that's pretty
1: early on. That was really early on. I was like telling my friends about everything and they were like, and they actually were, cause I had, I ended up inviting him of course. Cause like, he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh my God, this guy from last night, he like wants to like, he wants to like come out and they're like, yeah, sure. Like bring him so we can judge him and see if he's like, if we like him. And I was like, great. And so I did. And they were, they all really
0: seemed to like him and get along with him. And it was just a fun night. Oh, that's awesome. So as your relationship is progressing, kind of walk me through that. You're going from both being in previous relationships where you've recently broken up and now you're dating each other. Like, at what point do you decide to be exclusive? And are there any factors that you're kind of considering as you're making that decision? Like, walk me through that, how you knew, Okay, I want to be monogamous with him. I think he was the one first who
1: asked me, yes, he was the one. He kept on wanting to like lock me down to have me be his girlfriend. And I was really, I had done that, dealt with that before. And I do kind of categorize this as the guy who's your instant boyfriend because things did move very quickly with us, but then it ended up almost being like a weird blessing because we took advantage of the time we had together. We took advantage of those first couple of months of dating and after like six months of dating, the world shut down with the pandemic. So I'm actually grateful that we moved at the speed that we did. I really do feel like everything happens for a reason because, and I think now too, I feel like coming out of the pandemic and dating, like, why waste your time? If you like, if you do, I know this kind of conflicts my other advice, but not really like in the sense of like, yeah, if you like someone, like, why not? And then they're asking you out and like, and this is, this is what happened. Our after our second date, he asked me out to dinner and to go out with his friends for his friend's birthday. I'm an only child so I tell my parents everything. I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, "I don't know, this guy asked me out again." And my dad's like, "Oh, he's a loser. Like, why does he want to go out with you again?" Like, he, this guy clearly has nothing going on. And he's like, "And if you if you go out with him, he'll think you have nothing going on." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't have anything going on tonight. And he's asking me out to dinner." Like, most guys in LA like don't ask you out to dinner. Like, and I enjoy his company. Like, why would I say no? And my dad's like, I don't know. I just think you're making a big mistake. You should be playing more hard to get. And I was like, my and I listened to my gut. My gut was like, don't listen to your dad. Like, my gut was like, yeah, you like this guy. He wants to take you out to dinner. He wants to introduce you to his friends. Like, Mm -hmm. why not? And again, making your life, it wasn't inconvenient. He said he wanted to come pick me up. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like I had to go to him. Like, he made it easy for me. And that was like, so it was a no brainer
0: in that case. And at any point in time, did you guys have like a sit down discussion about how you had been using your single life, like writing in Cosmo and writing this book? That came out early. He knew that on our first date
1: because I was also sick of that. I was sick of Guy's thinking that like Googling me or whatever and trying to like shame me for like what I did and what I, and and trying to shame me for the amount of dates I went on. Like I had a whole Uh. thing with that. So I was just like, yeah, why would I hide this? So I actually showed him the manuscript of my book on my first, on our first date, which I think is what opened up the conversation of us talking about our exes. And also he knew about Cosmo. I had just done 30 dates in three days. Like, so he knew about that. He knew about all of this on the first date. And he was accepting of it and he thought it was very cool that I was a writer and an accomplished writer and that I, we kind of bonded over both like having a hustle and both taking work very seriously. But he was at a point in his life where he wanted to balance, he wanted to have more of a life because his life was so work heavy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I was able to bring to the table because I was like, oh yeah, come to this comedy show or come do this, whatever. So it was nice to have met each other at that time. But yeah, no, he didn't judge me for it and he was accepting of it. The only thing... Was that so? He did ask me to be his girlfriend, and that came after he, right at the month point after our first month of dating. Cause I had said I wanted to wait at least a month before we mm-hmm. decided what our relationship was. And also, it was pretty obvious that we had both stopped seeing other people because we were spending all our time together. So it would have <laughs> been crazy if we weren't. But the one thing was, is like the I love you milestone, he was reluctant. Mm. Because in the back of his head, he was worried that I was working on, like, a how to lose a guy at 10 days article about him. And I was like, and then, and I I had to convince him I wasn't, and he, like, believed it, and we we said, I love you on Halloween, because our first date was Labor Day. And then, yeah, and then after that, he, like, like, it was, I think, I think, I think he still was a little, like, cautious, like, the first few months of dating. But then I think once we hit that year mark, he was probably, like, well yeah, if you are writing this article, like it would be such a boring article. <laughs> yeah,
0: right? Do you feel like being in a relationship changed your writing style and and like the creativity in which your ideas flow because it is like coming from a different perspective, a different mindset?
1: Yeah, I mean it has of course changed my and then I mean there were so many other factors too with like the pandemic and all that other stuff that kind of shifted where I am mentally. Currently My plate is full with writing right now because I I host for Entertainment News and I write the stories for Hollywire like every, almost every, pretty much every day. And I'm also adapting my book into a movie. So like that's where my brain is right now. Yay. That's so exciting. Yeah. But I do have dreams to continue to write in that like kind of how Carrie Bradshaw transitioned from a sex columnist to a love and relationship writer. (laughs) I do want to keep writing about dating. I do want to kind of find more opportunities about like relationships. But the thing is, I guess I'm a little hesitant to write about relationships because I don't feel like I'm a relationship expert. I felt Mm. confident writing about dating because I had put in the hours. But when it comes to a relationship, this is my longest relationship. We just hit our two year mark. We're about to get married. So I feel like I might need a couple of more years to like write from that perspective. But I also did stand up before the pandemic and I miss it. And I would like to kind of work on doing a set all about like this, like the last like two years and also like planning a wedding in a pandemic and like oh, all my that gosh. nonsense and craziness. Um yeah. So that I, I have ideas, I just don't have the time at the moment. But also I'm right. getting married in a week. So
0: which is so amazing <laughs> in and of Thank itself. You. I mean it, I mean that's the ultimate goal, right? Like that's why you were out there dating and doing all these things and going through these experiences and Tell me about the moment, like, you realized Darren was the one. It doesn't have to be he recognized it too, but, like, did you have this, like, epiphany or this kind of aha moment where you're like, oh, he's my person? It
1: was within the first, like, month, it was obvious because I had realized that there were no red flags, which one could argue is a red flag in itself, but there really were no red flags. And that every, everything that he had, since he had came into my life, He had only made my life better. And I think that kind of goes with the whole not settling thing because I think so many times when we're dating, we're dating these people that add an obstacle to our life, that add a problem to our life, that that bring out an insecurity in us, anything like that, that had never, that wasn't happening with him. Everything that he had done for me was just making my life better. And I never really questioned if he was the right person. Like it was just, it was obvious. I was like, yes, I never doubted that he cared about me. I never doubted that he wanted to be with me. I never doubted that he wanted to be with in this relationship with me, and it was just so abundantly clear that he wanted this and I wanted it because yeah, it was it was great. My life was great with him and it still is great with him.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. I mean, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's been a common theme on the podcast where it's like You can't give up hope. You never know when, you know, it's going to be your time. And you sometimes do have to say no to the things that you don't want, like you mentioned, so you can make rooms for the things that you do want. And then when you actually do that and you look inward and you like honor what's happening within yourself it all comes to fruition, which is such a beautiful thing. And you're getting ready to like live that out, getting married and starting this new chapter of your life. Yeah. And the other thing
1: too about like, they say it's a numbers game and that actually is true because I do think that I would have never met him had I gotten off the apps. And there were so many times where I deleted my dating app. And I really do think that dating apps work. The more you do them, the more you like become so clear of what you want The more you stop wasting time with things that are very obvious you don't want, I think go on the first date, but be picky about the second and third and fourth dates you go Mm. on. And I really think it's crazy that like, yeah, I mean, we, you have it. It's so convenient. I think of like bars, like going to bars, I mean, which I know wasn't a reality for us for like a year or so, but like going to a bar to meet someone, especially now with everyone on their phones is the most, like, it is just not efficient. It's not an efficient Mm -hmm. way to meet people. The best way to meet someone, I really do honestly think, is on a dating app. But and I, and I use and I and before I met Darren, I would have said it's don't dating apps are crap. But I think it really is a way to find someone
0: efficiently. Mm-hmm. And Gabby, was Bumble your your like favorite app to use, or what were like your top three apps, or were you on more than one?
1: I was on more than one. I was on Bumble. I was on Tinder. I was on Hinge. I was on Raya. I got kicked off Raya. I got back on Raya. Why'd you get kicked off? Because I wrote an article about going on 30 dates in three days. And even though I didn't mention the dating app, the guy that I met, the one guy who I met from that dating app felt the need to let them know about this article.
0: Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: But then I, t- I pled my case with that, but I was like, well, and then they, were, they let me back on. But I was on all those dating apps. And I do think like when people are like, what's the best dating app? It's so subjective. I am mm-hmm. someone who as like a journalist, I don't mind asking the first question or saying the first thing like that comes really naturally to me. But if you're the type of person where that like scares the crap out of you, then obviously Bumble is not the right dating app for you. And Maybe something like Hinge where Hinge like has a more free flowing mutual way of like both asking the first question. But for me personally, I liked Bumble because I I, I thought it was more the most efficient. I didn't like Hinge because they say it's the app that's designed to be deleted, but I kept on having to delete it because it crashed so much. But that's my personal experience. Interesting, okay. And then Tinder, I found that people who were on Tinder, from my experience, and again, this is like from my location of where I was swiping and everything, the people on that dating app were really just looking for a hookup or something casual. They weren't looking for something serious. Mm -hmm. And I just felt there was a bet. And also I liked how Bumble- treated how they handled the dating app because there were several times where like some guy would like match with me just to harass me over the 30 dates and three days article. And like, and Ow. I would send them screenshots and I'd be like, this is harassment. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. or some other guy was like clearly a catfish. And I like, I showed them that and they always like were supportive of what I was saying and they would block the person. Cause I do think that I wish more dating apps would do this. I wish more dating apps would kind of keep their dating apps safe because mm-hmm. it's such a place where you can meet someone who I mean it's a stranger at the end of the day. And I do think right. there's some responsibility for the dating apps. I do from my experience, Bumble
0: handled that the best. The yeah. security. Well it's also nice running. that you have the verified Little check marks like, okay, it is the person that I'm talking to because that, that is a a reality. And Mm -hmm. we live in a big city. LA is a big place. And I love that you mentioned early on too, that you would tell like your best friend when you're going on a date because it's so important that we keep our safety in mind. You know what I mean?
1: That and uh, your location, share your location with someone that lives near you, that you trust, your roommate, whoever, because I always have my location on. And so she would, if I like, said I was somewhere and I wouldn't respond for too long. She wouldn't, she knew I wasn't home. She would just like check in on me. So it, it was really helpful to have that for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. I mean, I, I love that perspective. So, and like you said, it's pretty subjective because everybody has their own opinion of the apps or their comfortability with reaching out first. And I think you go through like cycles or you see the same men on different apps and you're like, okay, wait a minute. Like we matched, That's not a sign that you're meant to date that person.
1: Take it from me. (laughs) Just because you see the same person every single dating app, that is not the sign. The other thing you need to remember, if you're feeling jaded, that they're the same people you're seeing. I think, you know what? I Darren is, he's eight months younger than me. And I'm pretty sure that before I matched with him, my dating, like my age filter was like older than me only. And I think I fixed that. And then the other thing, the location, the mile radius, he was a little further than what my, I think I opened my mile radius up a little bit. Yeah. These are just things, if you keep seeing the same people, like maybe adjust your filters a little bit. You might be surprised.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I even can speak to that from experience because I said I only wanted somebody in a five-mile radius because we live in LA and traffic is a thing and getting in and out of the South Bay is really difficult. And here I am dating somebody who's 13 miles away and it's a 45-minute commute at least each way. What would I drive that 45 minutes to be in a relationship where I feel, you know, loved and secure and, and all these things that I wanted in, in a potential partner, like I would for sure. Like, and, and that's one thing I've recognized too, is like, neither of us have ever complained about the commute. If you want to call it that, it's so funny that we have to call it a commute when it's like 13 miles, just the, the traffic here is so challenging.
1: But I love that. I think that there's people who will live a mile away from you and they make it seem like you live long distance and it's inconvenient. Mm -hmm. and They won't make you a priority. It's the fact that they're making that priority for you. We'll say with that though. I had an experience once where I matched with a guy who was out of my dating radius, but I wonder if he was, he might've been in my dating radius when we matched, whatever. He lived outside of LA. He took me out to dinner one night and then wanted to sleep over, even though we were not anywhere near, we hadn't even kissed, I believe, because of how long the commute was. Uh And I had invited him. I made the mistake, looking back, of inviting him over to my place to have like a glass of wine after dinner. Mm -hmm. And he passed out on my couch and Mm -hmm. was like, refused to leave. And I was like, Oh, and that was like, obviously the biggest red flag right there. I mean, but I look back and then I was like, should never have invited him up. And if someone is making the effort to come to you for a first date and you're not feeling it, you shouldn't feel bad by saying, Hey, can you go home? Right, right. I signed up
0: for a date. I didn't sign up for a sleepover. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, so true. But I mean, it all goes back to really just like honoring yourself and like knowing what you want and and, like really setting some hard boundaries. And I think like I am a, you know, like recovering people pleaser. So rather than having like a difficult conversation and, and hurting somebody's feelings, what I thought, even though I didn't even know the person... If I would have just done those things early on, I probably would have progressed and found somebody who was right for me sooner. Yeah, it happens. Oh my gosh. Well, I love your story. I love your book. And I Thank I just you. can't wait to see what's next for you. And to see these photos of your beautiful wedding. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be, be fabulous. And I just love, too, that you're not putting your life on hold, that you're moving forward and, and making the best out of this time. And I think that is a really good message to everybody out there because there are some single women out there right now who don't feel comfortable dating, which I understand like we're still in the thick of it. Especially here in like LA, but at the same time too, like we only get one life to live, and there is some ways that we can go about this and b- still be safe and still honor what we want out of life. Like we don't have to put our wants and desires on the back burner just because of the state of affairs. Yeah, safe way is to use dating apps, I think, but just obviously
1: keep yourself safe on them. But also if you don't want to date, don't put yourself, like don't make yourself date if you don't feel like you're ready to date. Like there is also value in dating yourself. There were many times where I like canceled on a date and I took myself out to dinner or took myself out for a drink because you can do that ladies. Like, and there was something about that that I felt was really freeing and refreshing. Like, I think you still need to make yourself feel like a priority. And also like, if you hit a point in your life, like right now, I, I am like kind of not really beating myself up, but I do feel like there are things professionally that I want to be doing, but so much of my brain is focused on this wedding. And I think that that's okay too. I think that we shouldn't feel like we need to do it all, all the time. And I think that we just have to like, just be true to ourselves and do what, what we can do. Like don't push yourself too hard with anything in life.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Gabby, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming me. on. You're of welcome. Course, anytime. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. I'm going to cast some questions Gabby's way, and she's going to rummage through her tackle box for the answers. Hook us up with your best relationship advice.
1: My best relationship advice is to throw out all the rules. I think all the things that we hear that we've grown up with that they're like, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. I think that you need to do what feels right to you, what feels right in your gut. But at the same time, know that when someone isn't into you and you see the signs, don't waste your time trying to prove to them that you are worth it and that they should be into you and focus that energy more on yourself and attracting someone who's into you. Don't change yourself to be someone else, to be with someone else. Be authentically who you are. You might get less matches at first, but ultimately you will attract the right person for you. What's the cringiest pickup line someone's used on you? Just recently, I was at my building, this was creepy. I was at my building and I was getting a package from our package room. And the guy heard, like I had to say my name to get the package. And the guy who I hadn't met was like walking behind me and said my name, he's like, hey Gabby. And I'm saying that that's the cringiest pickup line because I didn't give this person my name. They shouldn't have said my name. And he ended up like, and I'm wearing my engagement ring which is pretty hard to miss. And he proceeded to be like, oh man, I would just like really beat myself up if I didn't like shoot my shot and like introduce himself and all that stuff. And I was like, I I admire the whole shooting your shot, but there's a way to do that that doesn't feel so invasive and intrusive. And that way is to definitely go, hey, hi, I'm so nice to meet you. I'm so, so don't say their name if they haven't given you their name. That's very creepy. And, and then, yeah, he was like, yeah, I just like, do you like, we're like, it's so nice to meet you. Like, this is my name. He was like, like, I forget specifically what he said, but something along the lines of like, he was trying to ask me out. And I was like, yeah, hi, I'm engaged. And he's like, oh, all right. And then he was still lingering. Like he wanted to continue the conversation. I was like, I have
0: to go to work, but thank you. Like geyser. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. That's a long
1: winded question to be the the cringiest pickup line is saying your name when you didn't give that person your name. That is very cringy, Mm -hmm. very scary. Don't do that. (laughs)
0: Something that you're going to let go of that might be holding you back from claiming what you want. I think doubt, doubting myself. I think that works with like career,
1: that works with dating. Like feeling like I have to be something I'm not to please people, whether that is like in my writing, whether that is in my, yeah, when I'm like going on dates, I think I'm I'm happy I dropped that. And it's so funny, Olivia Rodrigo, Just said something similar about how like she thinks her biggest strength is her vulnerability, which I love because I think that when you are the most vulnerable, authentic, real version of yourself, that is how you are going to connect with other people. That's how people are going to care about you. That is why she has one of the top rated albums, singles in the world. It's because she really put her heart out there with her music and I think that that is what you need to do. You need to let go of pretending to be something that
0: you're not and fully embrace who you are. Thank you so much for joining Gabby and me for this conversation about claiming self-love. I see a lot of myself in Gabby. We were on a similar journey, dating with reckless abandon, adhering to our own beliefs about men and how our stories would play out. But let this be a reminder to keep the faith. Sissy's out there. Gabby recently tied the knot to her love, Darren. And as you know, my relationship with Jamar is thriving. Self-love got us here. Here are a few of my key takeaways. Find a way to document your dating experiences so you can recognize patterns and potential red flags. If you don't have someone you feel as if you can confide in, journal. Two, dating is a numbers game. Use the apps, they make dating more efficient. Three, say yes to the first date, but be picky about the second, third, and fourth. It's okay to be honest and say no things if you're not feeling it. Four, let the guy initiate the second date no matter how bad you wanna see him again. This allows you to embrace your divine feminine energy while gauging his interest in you. Lastly, if you're not ready to date, don't force yourself. Take yourself on a date instead. This decision might be the first step in your journey towards claiming self-love. If you dug this and wanna hear more from Gabby, Our conversation continues over on YSC Unfiltered. Stay tuned for next week's solo cast. I'm going to share about claiming forgiveness. In life, we sometimes make choices we aren't proud of, then decide the only way to press on is to punish ourselves and live with the shame and guilt. We then get stuck in punishment purgatory, which isn't healthy. If you've been punishing yourself or someone else, don't miss next week's episode. It's time to move forward and claim forgiveness. Ladies, I said it once and I'll say it again. Before we can reel in the catch of a lifetime, we must first bait the hook with self-love.